Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of another film podcast. My name is Tierney. <laughs> I'm Colin. I'm Matt. Oh, it's a question oh. this week. He's not sure. It was like kind of a question, but kind of like definitive. <laughs> I was. It's more like a yeah. It's like a leading question of like I think this is the evidence that you're looking for, and I'm confirming it. <laughs> It was fun to watch you, like, halfway through the introduction, realize what you were about to do to yourself, Tierney. I enjoyed that. Yeah, I rolled with it. I said another, and then I was like, fuck, this is it. Fuck it. It's gotta be, that's gotta just be the way we intro it now. It's hard another's. not to. Another episode of another film podcast. It's a lot of another's. Another was my favorite word to type in my typing computer class that we had to take in junior high. I don't believe that you took a uh, typing computer class when you were in junior high. I think that uh, typewriters were the only technology (laughs) that existed when you were in junior high. (laughs) You had to send letters for the Allied Forces. (laughs) (laughs) What's funny, okay, so, so listeners don't know this, but I've been digitizing our home videos, and I sent a Snapchat, and I sent a, so the, the home video that I was digitizing was a VHS of my great grandpa. Uh, so my grandfather's grandpa as a baby, and then my grandpa as a baby. And so they're all like the advent of film. <laughs> film. Wow. And so they're like 12 frames per second of like nuns walking around. And I sent it to you guys, and I was like, I'm going to get so much shit of this being my home video, but luckily you guys didn't catch it. <laughs> I never check Snapchat, but I will you now. You don't. Oh, you're in for a treat, my friend. <laughs> anyway. Oh, <no>. Anyway. <laughs> so this week we watched uh, City of God from 2002. Um, we did. We, we did watch we that movie. Did. Yeah. We watched it. Okay, and confirmed. I watched uh, it. Did you guys watch it? I did watch it. I oh, finished okay, it cool. this morning. Okay, so then we did all watch it. We did all uh-huh. watch it, yeah. Okay, perfect. Great. I definitely did. Now it sounds like you didn't. I'm a little concerned that you didn't. (laughs) No, it was more of the. It was more just like my name, where I was like, "Yes, correct. (laughs) This is what I did. I did watch it. Confirmed. Can confirm. Anyway, Um, um, yeah. So this was my pick, uh, and it was more. I didn't really know anything about it, other than it was good. And it's been on my list of movies to watch for, God, like years. Probably since 2002. I was going to uh, say, it's, it's not that old of a movie, so I feel like it just could have been always on your list. No, it's probably like the last like five to eight years it's been on my okay. list. Because you, ha- you have it on DVD, I think. I do, yeah. And so the whole time we lived together, I was like, I got to watch this movie. And then I never did. Uh, but I watched it now. And I liked it. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a very good movie. Somewhat related. Uh, I do own this movie on DVD, and I had also never watched it until right now. <laughs> Okay, that makes me feel better. <laughs> uh, full disclosure, I never bought that movie on DVD. Like, as both of you know, and probably some of our listeners know, there are several movies that I own that I've never seen that I have paid money for. But this one was... Uh, my roommate in college our senior year moved out before I did and uh you stole it some 
he left some movies and I texted him. I was like, Hey man, uh, like, do you want me to send these to you? And he's like, nah, it's fine. You can just have them. So I acquired this movie from him and it was always like, Oh yeah, he owned this movie. So it's probably good. I should probably watch it. And then of course never got around to watching it, but, um, but yeah, I did watch it last night. Uh, not on that DVD, so that's still unused. <laughs> <laughs> I, saw that, I saw that it was streaming on HBO Max, so I did that instead. Um, but I thought it was really good. Um, yeah. We can talk a little bit more after we get Matt's thoughts, uh, initial thoughts, but um, I was I was pretty impressed with it. Um, so I'm, I'm glad you added it to the list and I could finally cross it off and that DVD can still continue collecting dust. <laughs> I, like, Collector's legit item. have no, like complaint type notes that's yeah I, I was like what a great movie everything about it was great anyway matt yeah. you talk i Sorry. hated it just kidding <laughs> no, uh, start to <laughs> here comes the hot take no i i actually did enjoy it um i had heard about it in college and then had known it was like a pretty critically acclaimed movie uh but really didn't know what the actual like uh, movie what like I didn't know what the story was at all I just mm-hmm. thought it was like people living in Rio de Janeiro um, and I didn't expect it to be so stylized uh, mm-hmm. so that was really fun going in and being like oh this is a 2002 movie where they were like we're gonna do stuff we're gonna like edit this in a, in a really unique fashion uh, but yeah I thought it was I thought it was very well made um, and compelling and actually uh, we could talk about this more later but uh, I saw the out- Outsiders uh, last night at the drive-in, and this felt kind of like the Rio de Janeiro hyper-violent version of The Outsiders. Oh, sure. And I was like, oh, <laughs> it's the so- it's the same story. It's a, that's it's a like, fun is that just because <laughs> is that just because like soda pop, and then there's characters named like steak and carrot. I mean, good point. <laughs> yeah. Kind of. <laughs> yeah, kind of. But it's also just about like you know, uh, two rival gangs and yeah. kids being wrapped up in this like cycle of violence uh but yeah i thought this one was a even better movie than the outsiders so uh, mm-hmm. i'm happy to talk about it excited to talk about it happy to be yeah, here I think... happy to be here <laughs> excuse <laughs> him gentlemen excuse me gentlemen <laughs> um i think yeah so the I mean, we can like i think that's a good jumping off point like just how like ultra stylish this movie is um, cause even like the opening shots where it's just like, it's black oh, and it cuts I to loved it. that like it's so sharpening kinetic. the knife and then it cuts back to black and then you see the knife again and then you just see like random shots of random shit in like a favela in Rio and it's just like, oh my God, like it's, it just like beats you over the head by like how stylized this movie is and it never really lets <laughs> up and I really appreciated that. Um, so yeah, I, I'd also ne- obviously never seen this movie and one of the only things I knew about it was that uh, it was directed by Fernando Mirielis. I don't really know if I'm saying that name right. But anyway, he directed um, The Two Popes last year. Did you guys see that movie? No. Mm-mm. Is that movie the one with is... Jude Law? No, that's <laughs> no. The Young Pope. That's the HBO oh. miniseries, The Young Pope. <laughs> a lot of Pope contact. Uh, a lot of weird, contact. weirdly... Yeah weirdly strong couple of years for pope content a lot in, of cinematic in, popes <laughs> cinematic, <laughs> cinematic <laughs> pope universe <laughs> who's in the two oh popes oh my god uh it's um jonathan it's jonathan price and anthony hopkins 
Mm. Um, and it, it's literally, it's like... Is Anthony Hopkins the villain? I mean, kind of. He's, yeah. he's Ratzenberger. He's the former pope. The real yeah, like, pope. Yeah. Oh, um, it's based on those popes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Wait, Crisis hit... Francis. Oh, okay. I was going to say, is it is it John Paul? Or is it... No. It's when Ratzenberger stepped down, and yeah. then Francis is like, I can't do this. And he's like, you're going to have to. But hmm. I haven't seen it. <laughs> I mean, but that's basically it. It's just like it's it's based on a true story, um, and it's like the whole, basically the entire movie is just like an extended like weekend where these two men are just like having conversations with one another. And the reason I brought it up is because like this movie is the in terms of like directorial choices is the exact opposite of <laughs> Two Popes. Like Two Popes is not a bad movie, but it's just like very plain and very straightforward. Um, and it's very, it's, it's just about these two men and these two like characters, um, that are it's just like, like, the, it's like the trip with Rob Brydon and, uh, and Steve <laughs> Coogan. It's exactly like the trip, except it's two popes instead of them. Steve <laughs> Coogan Hopkins. was in another weekend movie where they travel with, uh, Dame Judi Dench. Why does he do all those movies? Anyway, we're getting further from the it's, Pope now. It's beside the point, but, like, <laughs> I, that's the only movie of this director who, that I had seen before, and I knew going into the two Popes that he had also directed this. Like, I knew that this was, like, kind of his claim to fame. Um, so I wasn't necessarily expecting, you know, I, I don't know. But anyway, when I was watching this, I was like, how is this the same director? <laughs> like, it's just yeah, like, wow. This is so, so, so wildly different, and all of the choices are, like, really fun and really fascinating and i feel like literally anybody could have directed the two popes because it's just like pretty a documentary it's yeah it's like fairly just like standard shots you know two two dudes just talking whereas this is like camera's always moving and the editing is quick and like all the color palettes are very beautiful and they all change you know based on this that and the other and like this movie um like, plays with, like, narrative structure in terms of, like, the, like, how mm. the story is laid out mm -hmm. and everything, whereas mm -hmm. that is just, like, extremely straightforward, so it's just, like, literally night and day between this movie and that other one, um, so that was the, the first thing that, like, really, like, caught me and was just, like, oh, shit, yeah, here we go, I'm ready for this. Yeah, the opening, I was definitely, like, oh, <laughs> I didn't expect it to be this, like, electric, mm -hmm. um, and it reminds me of like a more professionally made Romeo and Juliet from 1995, the Baz Luhrmann one where like the Baz Luhrmann Romeo and Juliet was like Verona beach and like, wah, wah, and like showing you like <laughs> sweeping like helicopter shots of the city and like fast edits and like things sped up and things slowed down and where it was like so wild, like so crazy. And like, that's all Baz Luhrmann movies. But mm -hmm. I think the only time he like got it pretty good was in Romeo and Juliet but if it was done well, it would feel the way it does in City of God, where it really does give this, like, frantic, chaotic energy to everything. Mm -hmm. And kinetic, like you said, Tierney, um, is such a good word for it. Like, you build so much energy from the go that, mm -hmm. like, you don't exactly know where the story's going, but you know it's going to, like... Like, 20 minutes in, I was like, so much has happened yeah. in this 20 minutes, and I don't even know what the main like actual story it's but so much has already happened with these characters that we've met 
Well, I felt so I so I watched it in my apartment and I had to go to the bathroom, so I paused it. And like so much had happened that I felt like I was towards the end of the movie, and I was only forty five minutes in. That happened to me too. <laughs> okay, like I guess I like, still man. got quite a bit left here. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I would definitely agree with that, and I think that adding to the style, they did like you can tell that it's told. Like I don't know if the director is a photographer. But you can tell yeah. that the person telling the story is a photographer by the way that the film looks. And I thought that was mm-hmm. a very cool, very cool choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where, like, um, freeze frames don't feel cheesy because they're photographs. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was trying to, like, put my finger on it when I was watching it, too. Because, like, so this movie starts in media res, and I feel like that's a thing that has happened a lot lately, and I'm mostly over it. Um, but for Starts whatever reason, what? I was in media res so it's like you just like start in the middle of the movie and then oh. it goes it goes back to like give you all the details to like lead up to that moment which is like a thing that has happened regularly lately like i think uh mm-hmm. earlier this year back when you know we could go to theaters and things hadn't completely gone to shit um i think in the same weekend i saw sonic the hedgehog and the new um harley quinn birds of prey whatever the fuck that movie's called um Uh and both of those movies do that like you just start in the middle and you get some annoying voiceover and then it like cuts back to the beginning and like shows you everything and i was just like really we're still doing this like this 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 trope is so overused and it's not that fun anymore and more often than not like the voiceover is really obnoxious um so like earlier this year i had that reaction to a a movie that started this way but when i watched this one last night i was like oh no 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 this is great why don't we do this more often (laughs) which you know doesn't Mm -hmm. make sense but i think like the fact that you can tell first of all i think the fact that the voiceover is not like overbearing in this movie like i think it's very much just like the way that voiceover should be used, which is just, like, very sparingly and only to give you, like, the the smallest pieces where, like, you get everything else from the movie. Um, and I think the fact that this, like, you could tell from Jump that this movie was in, a, like, the right hands, I think it made a lot of those other choices that at this point in 2020 feel a little cliche, I think made me be like, oh, okay, no, I'm still okay with this if it's done in the right way, like this movie was. Yeah. 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 I I don't have much to add there. <laughs> I really liked like the narrative structure of it and how you mm-hmm. like like each decade was basically an act and then mm-hmm. you'd have like what felt like tangential acts um going into certain characters' backgrounds, but then it would come back later like later on. So like nothing was really wasted and everything yeah. like was necessary and so I think the script was very tight and also just like so many shots from that movie are like perfect shots yeah and like beautifully lit beautifully like colorized as well yeah like you I was feel gonna say, like you're in Brazil for sure the, the color palettes in this movie are just unbelievable because like everything just like the the all of the colors in every single shot are so perfectly vivid for whatever like the blues are so blue like the yellows are so yellow like it reminded me a lot of Mad Max in that way that it's just like the like the choices for when we're going to use color were just so smart and so perfect and they just like really made sure that like 
we're gonna hit these colors hard and i think that that just like like you said tyranny just like brought you into this movie in a way that like a lot of other movies don't just because they they either skimp on that or just like don't fully go for it um, or they like wash out doesn't yeah marvel do that Oh, Marvel super yeah. does that. There's like, no true black. Everything like, in Marvel is just like a dull gray-ish. You're just like, come on. Because <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. it's just like overly lit, so everything looks like gentle and nice for all audiences. Yeah. It's Ugh. it's a bummer. <laughs> yeah. But. Uh, yeah, I also, I loved the chapter call-outs of like mm. the 60s, the 70s, but then also just like the story of Knockout Ned and, like, mm-hmm. uh, the beginning of the end. Like, these little chapters, uh, because it is based on a novel, so, like, I'm sure that those are the chapters from the novel. And, like, I love little titles like that, like mm-hmm. super titles. Um, I also thought it was interesting that they were in English, considering that this movie is not in English, but the titles were. Well, I wonder if they changed that. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I also just love Benny. He's yeah. so cool. I, mean, I wrote, yeah, I wrote down just Benny as a yeah. note. That same, I have that same note. <laughs> when he comes uh, in and, and he's like, I'm a playboy now. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that everyone in the, in the city of God is like, he's the coolest hood. He's mm-hmm. the coolest guy. Yeah. Like that guy's so cool. And even, like, uh, Rocket is, like, not that mad that, like, Angelica ends up with a Benny, where he was just like, okay. I mean, he is the coolest guy. Yeah. (laughs) And, like, they are friends still. Like, Benny is still very nice uh, to Rocket, so it's not even, like, there's hard feelings. It's just like, yeah, he's the coolest guy. He deserves everything. Yeah. It's, Uh. It's pretty incredible how in a cast this sprawling like there's not a lot of like main characters necessarily but there are a lot of characters who have like pretty significant roles um so it's i i think it's really fascinating how like all of them get really good characterization because i think Mm -hmm. a lot of times when you have a movie with this many moving parts um you know at least some characters kind of fall to the side um you know i for uh, just a, a random example that I'm pulling out of nowhere, like uh, a, a movie called Nashville by, by you, know, <laughs> you, might, you might say. Uh, just a lot of characters. Still and so not sorry a lot about of... that. <laughs> I feel like that's an interesting comparison, though, considering Nashville is a city and City of God is referring to like a specific area of a city. Right. Yeah, so Nashville is like that what not to do. Right. City yes. of God yeah. is like what to do. Nashville, Nashville stumbled so city of city god could god. fly <laughs> yeah <laughs> nashville didn't even walk it just like very much tripped over itself and fell over and kept rolling on the ground a little bit but, yeah. um but yeah so like every single character has enough characterization that you can like fully empathize with them and you can fully like feel like you're you're part of their story and you're like care about what happens to them um either positive or negative and i think that like that goes all the way down to like the most tertiary of characters um like you know, even think, Otto at, yeah so this is gonna be spoiling mm-hmm. but at the end where you're like oh it was perfectly set up too yeah and then it like is such a gut punch and it's like he's in the movie for maybe four minutes yeah 
it's incredible. And like, I will say if this movie were not based on a true story, like that final, like that final, like twist with Otto, I would have been like, okay, like this is a little too much. Like, I think everything, like it all fit together just a little too perfectly. Um, so I, like at that point I was like, okay, it, so, like I agree with you, Tierney. It was just like, oh shit. Like, I'm, I'm glad that they like brought that back, you know, like if they were going to do something with it. Mm-hmm. But I was just like, this seems a little too much. And then at the very end when it was like, oh, yeah, by the way, this is based on a true story. I was like, oh, shit. Like, I did right, do I some research. I oh. did some research. Oh. And it's, Tell us. The novel was ba- the novel is a novel. Oh, but it's, it's a novel. semi-autobiographical from the guy who wrote that novel. So there's, like, definitely stuff that is true. Mm. But, like, this is an adaptation of a semi-autobiographical novel. so how exactly those pieces fit together might not be like exactly how they happen in real life but they do show documentary footage of the real knockout med uh and like that is real so like there are parts that are definitely uh true and taken almost word for word from what happened in real life so i'm not sure if that happened but if it did yeah that's that's uh it's only and it only is like the realistic way that things happen. Like, yeah, he didn't want to kill anybody. He killed that bank guard, and then it's like somebody's gonna be mad about that. The way everybody's mad about all the revenge that they're seeking. The way that they they did that, where it was like the first time Knockout Ned went with them, he mm. stopped a guy from getting killed. The second time he fir- he learned that there are exceptions to, you know, like the way that mm-hmm. they kind of broke that out and they, they could just see like in literally three like holdups, this guy's whole worldview like completely changed. And it was just like, oh, that's just devastating. <laughs> like, yeah. This movie is brutal to watch. Like there are a lot of parts of this movie that are just like very, very like, ugh. Yeah, I, like I think that, that I mean, you know, obviously I've never been to Rio, but from what I've gathered, that I feel like that seems pretty spot on. Um, and obviously, this was like in the sixties and seventies, so I'm sure um, that was extra spot on. But like, there were a lot of parts in this that were just like very difficult to watch, like the um, the scene English. where what? the run or the with the runs. Yeah, the scene with the runs where like oh. Z like. Is it steak? Is that the one that he like gets? And he's like, "Hey, let's go yeah. for a walk." Like that whole sequence was just miserable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but <clears throat> yeah, the uh, we should talk about the beginning because it's such a di- it's like a side story that kind of propels their futures of like the tender trio. Oh yeah, and was like, <laughs> like the ho- the hotel uh, hold up. Of, like, they do, like, gas station, or, like, gas trucks and, like, things that aren't that uh, lucrative. And then the, and then Lil Z, at the time Lil Dice, uh, is the one who's like, I've got an idea. We should do this motel and hold everybody up there. And, like, the way that they unroll that event, where, like, you see them go in and you see them not shoot anybody. Mm-hmm. And then when we cut back to the hotel, everyone's dead. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> what happened in between? And, like, explaining how, like, each of them, like, one goes to work. One goes to his lover. One uh, 
goes to the like church. Quit, just goes to the church. Oh, yeah. Just like goes to the church. Quits the the hood life. <laughs> yeah, and like, and that's its own little story. And then each of their stories comes to an end, and like, this kid who fucked him over is like the main antagonist of the movie, and he's like pretty unredeemable in yeah. almost every way. There's like nothing good about Lil Z yeah. at any point. Which is, like, pretty shocking. Because everyone else, like, has done bad stuff, but has some redemptive quality. And, like, Lil Z is bad from go. Yeah. And, like, crazy as a kid. And just shoots everybody in that hotel for no reason. And, yeah, that's, like, the first, like, yikes. What yeah. the fuck? And he's, so, like, laughing <clears throat> while he does it. Yeah. That, that was fucked up. So, when you... So, the way that they presented it is, like... Like you said, Matt, they, um, you watch the tender trio go into the hotel, you watch them like hold up all the people. Um, and then you watch them run away knowing that they didn't shoot anybody. And then they're just like running away. And then the camera cuts to black and then it goes back to the hotel and you just like see these like sweeping shots of just like all of these dead bodies. Um, and then like later in the movie, you get the, the confirmation that it was Lil Z who did that. Did you guys assume that it was Lil D- or like Lil Dice that had gone in after they left and shot everybody? Yeah. Okay. I thought it was either them or the cops, the cops or yeah. something. Okay. Yeah. Um, Which, okay. but so I could, that it would cop make more is sense. also evil. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, yeah. I, I could see. I, I thought it was. I was like, oh yeah, it was definitely Lil Dice that just like mm-hmm. rolled in after they did and just like went crazy. Um, so like I kind of like I assumed that that's what had happened. And so when you're getting to see the confirmation, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this is what I thought. But the fact that they, like, show him laughing as he's doing it just makes it, like... Because like, it goes from being like, oh, yeah, this is a thing that I figured I kind of figured out already to be like, oh, fuck, this is way darker than the thing that I already thought was happening. And it's just, like, yeah. so upsetting. And then you're just like, oh, okay, everything else about this kid that we've seen before and we will see after, like, it all makes sense now when you just see... Like, oh, he's just actually insane. <laughs> like, he is just a crazy, bloodthirsty, like like you said, Matt, irredeemable person. And the way that they do that is in a transition, which is one of the notes that I wanted to say, is that the transitions between the chapters, like you were talking about, Matt, are so good. To yeah. where you're, like, geared up and ready for the next, like, segment, as opposed to, like, no, I wanted a little bit more of what was before, like they're timed so perfectly and like in the segment where you find out about uh little dice killing the hotel people all of the people turns like <laughs> into his reign in the city as a yeah. drug dealer i i'm glad you brought up the transitions because there was another um it, this movie in that way made me think of um Unsandi's. Um, mm. where it is very like it's like there are chapters right like there are like little piece, like little pieces here and there and they all like kind of work together to like fill in the story but I thought this was way more effective partially because of the transitions because I felt like a lot of the transitions in On Sundays were very like jarring and like didn't really flow together all that well and it was a little bit harder to track like when we were jumping between times and what we were doing Whereas, like you said, with this, it was, like, flawless. Like, every single time there was a transition to a different, like, little vignette-type story, it always made sense, and it always felt like, yes, this is the way that the story is supposed to go. 
Um, so I really, like, I'm glad you brought that up because that was another thing I noticed um, that I think they did, like, extremely well in this movie. I also like the, like, the teases for upcoming stories. Yeah. Where he was like, oh, yeah, that's Knockout Ned, but it's not time to tell his story yet. And you're like, oh, okay. And so then when you get to the part where it's, like, the story of Knockout Ned, you're like, all right, cool, it's time to tell his story. This is perfect. I, I knew this was coming, and, and now I get to see what it was. Um, I am a little disappointed that we didn't actually get to see him use his karate skills. Yeah, I was, too. I was really hoping that he would beat up Lil Z and that Same. that would be his storyline. Yep. But alas, <laughs> did not like, happen. The, right. The way it teased it is like, oh, he, like, I can't remember exactly the line, but it was something like he, like, he didn't have, like, he didn't use those skills unless he absolutely had to, and he would have to, but it's not time to tell his story yet. And I was like, oh, shit, we're going to see some real, like, karate shit. And then, which, like, honestly makes sense. Like, there's no fucking way. Like, as it's happening, like, when we're in the story of Knockout Ned, and, like, Z's gang all shows up to his house, and they all have guns. I'm just like, there's absolutely no way Lil Z is going to let him get close enough to, like, fist fight him. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's so many guns, and there's so many people that, like, Knockout Ned would be dead before he even had a chance to, like, say, hey, let's just fight with our hands. So I was like, all right, fine, I guess it makes sense. But I was a little disappointed that we got, like, the tease for some, like, dope karate shit and then didn't actually get any of the karate shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, also, his name is Knockout Ned. Right. But he's, like, best known for sharpshooting. So then it's like, yeah. well, that seems like you maybe should have changed the name to, like, more relevant Ned. Bullseye Ned or something like, like that. In the movie, at least, if you're not going to have him do anything with the karate. Brazilian so Sniper like, Ned? Yeah. Which was also, like, whenever he, when they were, like, a hundred, or ten bullets from Lil Z's men was worth one from Knockout Ned. It was yeah. Like, Knockout Ned's cool. <laughs> Knockout Ned's dope. Um, Another, yeah, I, oh, sorry, you go. No, no, I, I don't have anything. I was just gonna I was say, just gonna like, say. Keep reiterating. Oh, I was, well, I was gonna, also gonna say. <laughs> no, it's not your turn. It's Tierney's <laughs> turn. I actually, one of my notes just said, Knockout Ned. That was my note. I had some real detailed note guys, notes, guys. No, yeah. I had Knockout I Ned, had... and then that quote, it's not time for his story yet. So then I just crossed that one off. Uh, I also wanted... I know we talked about Benny and how cool he is, but I also want to talk about how cool, style-wise, his death was mm-hmm. portrayed. Yeah. Um, and that... I feel like reinforces the fact that it's a photographer's story because with the mm-hmm. strobe light, you're seeing it in stills. In frame, yeah. I thought that was very, very cool. That's a great point. It was, yeah. I just, yeah, the strobe was such a cool effect, but I didn't even think of it being like a camera. And they're fighting over a camera. Like, that's what's the main object of the scene. Yeah. It, it's... It's fun, too, because, like, because the movie starts the way it does, like, you know that at some point Rocket's going to get that camera. Like, he has that camera. You know he's going to get it. Although, I guess it ends up being a different camera. But um, you, like, you know that he's going to get it, but you're watching this fight happen, and you're like, okay, like, I know that he's not going to die because I know he's coming back later, but, like, somebody's clearly going to die, and, like, is that camera going to get smashed? Like, what's going on? And so, like, 
the fact that it ends up in his hands later and the way that it ends up in his hands is like really fascinating where he's just like take a picture of me so that i can be in the paper so that i can look like a badass and they're like well i don't know how this fucking camera works well i know a guy who knows how cameras work and then they're just like well yeah no you can keep it benny wanted you to have it anyway and it's like oh that's sweet there's honor among well terrible drug lords he did kill (laughs) rocket's brother right yeah i think that so here's what here's where I'm gonna bring some criticism in. Uh oh. I think the levity that this brings to like the extreme violence is like a little weird. Mm-hmm. I think like mm. nobody really cares about anything. About yeah. anyone. And maybe and like maybe that's first seen in a in like the most unviolent way with Angelica, where it's like she's uh, his love interest and then as soon as she's with Benny we never see her again after Benny's farewell yeah she like moves on and he moves on and it doesn't really matter his brother was killed by little Z that doesn't matter like uh all of their siblings were killed <laughs> like everyone's brother or sister or like and it's just such a like pervasive everyone gets killed that everyone is just kind of numbed to it, but it also mm-hmm. kind of numbs you to, like, know what, like, who matters. The fact that, like, Knockout Night is actually, like, they killed my brother and they killed my family, so now I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna pursue this, is, like, a turning point. And I think his story comes to a conclusion of, like, this is what happens when I get back in this life. Like, I am killed, and he doesn't really know why Otto shooting him but, like, we know it's because he did what he did. Yeah. And, like, very few other characters have, like, any sort of gravity with the other deaths. Except for Benny. And Benny kind of sets off the war. But, like, in general, it's just kind of, like, body after body after body after body after body after body. And it's like, okay. Like, what... Like who even matters to these characters when it's like rocket is like happy to have this camera and like work with little Z after being terrified of him and knowing that he like killed everybody. It it definitely is a little weird because like there's that line. So the first time, so Benny go or um, rocket goes to buy a joint for Angelica and he just like happens to be in the apartment when Lil Z shows up to like take over the apartment and, like, there's a line where Rocket says, like, in the voiceover, like, I thought about killing him for murdering my brother, but I didn't. And so, like, there's that line where it is, like, okay, he he remembers mm-hmm. that this guy murdered his brother. Like, you know, like, yes, he's not going to kill him right now, but, like, he at least is uh, cognizant that this, like, is a thing that happened. Like, this is his personal history. But then, yeah, to later be, like kind of friendly with him i mean like they're never like friends but just like i don't know i feel like and he's a t- he's terrified of like getting killed because he gets the pu- picture published but right. there's still like a everyone knows everyone and like uh, but there's no the, one's picking sides 
There's the whole segment where he can't go anywhere in town because he runs into Lil Z. Like he's, I think yeah. he's still terrified of him, and like the he gets pulled into taking that picture, but he doesn't know where he's going. And when he walks in the door and sees Lil Z there, like he looks afraid, and him taking the picture, like when he first starts doing it, is afraid until he just starts getting in like the photographer's mindset and it's like telling mm-hmm. people what to do. Um, yeah. But I think he, I don't know. I think that he is still afraid of him and still doesn't like him. And he is the only one who gets his revenge without killing someone. And it's because he, like, ends up using Lil Z's death to make a career for himself and get out of there. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's, like... I don't know. I feel like that's the true way revenge works as opposed to just body for body. But I didn't yeah. feel like desensitized to all the people dying. It was like horrifying how many people I think were being I, shot. To me, and I've talked about like war movies having uh, a certain, like I could only emote a certain level with war movies because the emotion is war is terrible. You don't want these characters to die, but they're in a situation where they will violence is terrible like war movies have to tell those beats or else it doesn't feel like a war movie and this felt like a mob movie and i'm not huge on mob movies either because the feeling that you're you have is like oh it could be so good but then they could they kill each other and like oh this guy was trusted at one point but now he's dead oh and this guy was wrong so now he's gonna try to take over <clears throat> the territory and it's like the same like you can only feel a certain level of like stakes every time it happens and so at a certain point you're like yeah everybody's at risk everyone's gonna die at some point and this is just the and like when they treat it as like kill this kid in an alley and then like okay you're part of the team and then like that doesn't result in anything i think like there i think there's a lot of isn't that why lil z dies at the end is the rest of the runts come over and they're like, this is for killing our friend? Yeah. And then they shoot him, I like, so. 40 times. Where you're like, <laughs> but then oh I, my god. But then the point of the story ends up being that, like, this cycle of violence will just continue forever. Yeah. And the one person who has the power to maybe stop it is Rocket, with the picture of the cops being with Little Z. And instead chooses to show Little Z in the newspaper because he's afraid of the cops' retaliation. And so then it just becomes another story of, like, territory and who's going to claim it and who's going to get it. Which is, like, I think a sad, uh, like, message. And I think it's probably the most realistic one. Mm-hmm. But it is also, like, well, then, this is told in a really, like, fun way for it ultimately to be, like, the cycle of violence will never end. And, like, now these children are talking about like I'm going to kill this guy and 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 like it's it's like a little jarring that it's like told like a Tarantino movie of like this kind of like uh, everything's like like violence is crazy and like I'll tell you about this character which I think is fun mm-hmm. but then if the ultimate conclusion is just like and now it'll just keep happening is like yikes that's a pretty grim conclusion for this like electric and like fun story told from the perspective from the perspective of somebody who's not in 
that, like, who lives among it, but is not in the gangs, does not deal drugs, does not shoot people, um, for him to even be like, say la vie, <laughs> like, this is what it is. Did he not, did the cop picture not publish? No. He no. chooses to do the little Z picture instead of trying to publish the cop picture. Because he's like, I didn't want to deal with the cops coming after me for the rest of my life. Which is, like, fair. Oh, I got the yeah. sense that they were com- they were coming after him. Oops. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, like, and that was, I think, like, one of the, one of the things where I just, like, and I read, I can't remember who said it, but one Brazilian critic, I think, was like, this movie did nothing for Brazil and nothing for the for Rio de Janeiro or the slums. It's only made it more like it's only made this story the one that people associate with the slums now and it hasn't helped anyone. Like it does it hasn't helped those conditions for anyone. And mm-hmm. it is interesting that it was directed by a white man and a white woman and like in Did not know in that. the same yeah, in the same sense of like is this uh is this just showing this situation without actually like diving into it and it's based on this novel and so this is this is not to say that this is the only thing that we should be taking away from it but like these were the kind of things that i was like okay does this all come together in a way anything more than a baz lerman like well edited like wild electric uh tarantino-esque like crime movie and i and it might not but I think that the things that it that it shows could have more impact if it was dealt with in more uh, with more gravitas, and maybe it does. And I think it's just like sometimes the tone is having fun with it, and other times it's like showing you a street full of bodies and a kid dead in an alley, and it's like pretty upsetting to then go back to like. <laughs> Does that oh, make sorry, sense? That, that dance was it, was fun. <laughs> I, I, I think, think it, it makes sense. Make, yeah. I. I I I think I, I I agree. It does make sense. I think I side more with Tierney on this though. That like. I. <laughs> this isn't trying to make it an issue. No 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 I know no, I, no. Like, I'm not I'm not <laughs> saying that like Tierney and I are now against you and we're voting you off the island but um, I I agree I think like. I don't necessarily equate, like, the fun of the style with, like, the harshness of... Or, like, I don't see those as being two conflicting things. Like, the fun of the style and the Mm -hmm. harshness of the reality that this movie depicts. Whether it's, like, actually true or semi-true or, you know, whatever. Like, there is, at at minimum, some level of truth here, like you said, because... In the end, we actually see real documentary footage that was depicted in the film. We actually see, like, in the same way that most biopics do, we see, you know, like, the picture of the, the actor who played the character and then, the, like, the real-life person. So, like, this movie is real on some base level. Sure. Um, so I don't necessarily see, like, the, the like, like you said, the fun, oh, this is a cool thing that we're doing being necessarily in conflict with those. I think it's just like, I'm using these stylistic choices to tell this story um, in a more unique way. 
but I, like, you know, there were several scenes where, like, a character died that I was like, fuck, like, that sucks. Like, yes, I saw it coming, and yes, that's just kind of, like, the way this whole thing works. And yes, it was presented in, like, a more unique style, but that doesn't, to me, it didn't, like, lessen the impact of that character's death when I probably didn't want that character to die. Um, if that makes sense. I definitely, in the first segment in the 60s, <clears throat> was nervous that it was going to glorify violence, which I feel like can often be, like, a thing in mob movies. Like, if you look mm-hmm. at, I feel like most Martin Scorsese movies glorify violence. Um, mm-hmm. But I got the sense that, that like, that because it's rocket story... Like, he views it as, like, anything with a gun. Like, almost like Chekhov. It's Chekhov's gun, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where it's, like, if you have a gun, like, the odds of you getting shot are so much worse. And then, like, just seeing that, like, anyone who does, like, if you fight by the sword, you die by the sword type thing. Mm-hmm. Where it's, like, mm-hmm. it doesn't justify it by any means, but it isn't like endorsing it which is what I was worried that it would do like when they're like look at me with my big huge gun uh but I didn't get that sense I got the sense that like every like every loss was a human loss but that might just be me and not so much the story being told it might no but I think it might also just be like yeah how how we interpret what's given to us on the screen. Uh, and I think if you felt that, then that was probably enough evidence for you to feel that way. But I also feel like when... Uh, what's what's the guy's name in the in the 60s who kills his wife with a shovel? And, Shorty like, is... That Shorty. is like a whole... Like he, yeah. That is so bad. And then buries was... his wife alive, and then like the kids who were trying to get out of the life get shot. And like all of that happens, and you're like, ugh... And that's not even a little Z. Like, that's just, like, the town and the police and, like, just what happens. And so, like, it, it there's just so... I mean, there's just so much violence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for it to feel in the conclusion, like, and here it goes again, is just kind of, like, hopeless. And I think yeah. that's more what, what it felt like. Of like I definitely got that at the end that it yeah. felt yeah. hopeless and maybe that's at the point of like you have fun say. with the stuff that you can have fun with and be and like rocket stuff is very where he's like i was the best at rolling a joint and like i like loved going to the beach and that stuff is like very fun and like because it doesn't revolve around violence but uh, yeah it's not it's not like they don't know how the runs talking about killing everybody they know comes across in the final moment of the movie um but it is just kind of like a yikes like yeah and there is it's just one guy killing the next guy forever and yeah. there's no stopping it yeah i but i don't i think that that's like yeah it's it's a bummer but i don't think that that's like a unrealistic look at life right like there's sure always like people who are seeking power and when somebody in power goes away there's a vacuum and somebody else goes in to fill that 
that void. So like, mm-hmm. yeah, like it, it is a bummer note to end on, but I, I think it's a fairly true and like fairly authentic note to end on. Um, which, yeah, it doesn't make it happy, but like it, it, I don't think it's, I don't think it took me out of the movie. Um, in the way that it maybe sounds like it did take you out of the movie. I I think I was just waiting for something more than more violence being the resolution. Oh. And like, yes, he put the photo in the in the newspaper, but that ends up not having any effect. It's just yeah. it's showing that this guy is dead that everyone's aware of. Mm-hmm. And so like for the culmination to be like, and the violence will continue and nothing can stop it, not even me who's on the outside, who has the ability to show that it's systemic and that mm-hmm. the police are part of this problem mm-hmm. just felt like, Oh, so it's okay. So like, I it's just going to be thought that cop picture shoot. was published. No, specifically they call out, like I could publish this picture, but the cops, like, I don't want to deal with the cops. So then they show the headline being that Lil Z's dead. And that's the story. That's, that's a bummer picture. for me. I thought he got both of them. And I was like, Oh, he got the real revenge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and I, I think yeah, wrong. it was. Ju- I mean, and I think that's just like it's it, it's the more realistic thing. I think. Yeah. But I think the same way, like I'm saying with mob movies, where you're just kind of like, yeah, that world is sad and dangerous and violent, and people die that you don't want to die. Like Benny dying is the first like man like he really wanted to leave all this and like of course he died because anyone who wants to leave dies i was gonna I say, say like... his, bro- his brother would be the first i thought shaggy's death was so sad i don't think it was because they did it in a flashback and they did it in a way where he's like messing with little z so you're like yeah of course he's gonna get killed like he's no he that doesn't was understand goose. how dangerous this game. that was goose Oh, oh! He was the one who was leaving brother. with Bernice, and then he was pushing the car. I thought that was so sad. Right, that was sad. I agree with that. Um, but and yeah, I yeah, that was actually that was a pretty sad one. But that was also the cops. So then it was mm-hmm. like, okay, well, yeah. I think it was the same cop, isn't it? The same cop in all. I think so. I I couldn't really tell for sure, but I do think so. Yeah, I think the number on the police car might have been the same, of like 663, unless that was a taxi. I don't know. There were a lot of cars that looked exactly the same as each other. Yeah. That were either lot, cops or taxis. Yeah, a lot of a lot of bugs that are painted slightly different colors. I was like, uh. <laughs> yeah. Um. That's all I have to say about that, really. I did, I did enjoy stuff. this movie. Well, I, yeah, I, like I said, I think... I don't, that was that's a, that was a pensive silence that was in a uncomfortable no. silence. I was yeah. thinking, thinking I, about I what agree you were with saying. You. I just I think that again I think that that's just a more realistic ending. Yeah. Than anything wrote, else could have and I been. Wrote, yeah, I wrote down Guy Ritchie just in the way of like the editing style is like this like fast and like with Snatch and his did, early movies. What does he do? He did Snatch with, like, Brad Pitt and, like, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Where it's, like, this fast kinetic editing. It's, like, criminals and them doing their crimes and, like, their relationships to each other. 
And I think this is better than a Guy Ritchie movie, but, yeah. like, it had that same, like, early 2000s, like, fast mm-hmm. uh, energy to it. But also in the way that, like, I think Guy Ritchie has less characters mm-hmm. that go, like, to, like, go through. This one, there are so many characters, and all of them die. <laughs> Almost all of them die, where it's, like, an army of people are is dead. And the final shot of just, like, auto-dead. Knockout Ned is dead. All the other people that were in the street are dead. The guy yeah. in the truck is dead. And it's, like, <laughs> the one photo of Lil Z, and then it's, like, and here we go. I don't know. That's just how I felt of just, like, everyone's dead. And even, oh, the thing I keep wanting to bring up is when uh, Lil Z is injured, and then the other guy... Uh, gets injured and he's like, "Hey, we're like, we're like brothers. It'd be like interesting if like they tuba. were brothers because they got tuba. yeah tuba." <laughs> and then Lil Z just shoots tuba. Where then it was like, "Okay, so this is supposed to show that like even those closest to Lil Z aren't safe from him just killing them." But like, do we need this? Like, do we need another shoot? Like, just like boom, shut up. Okay, I where, feel like, like at that point, that one you're spot on because I f- feel like. The tuba interactions were a joke, and that was the payoff for that one. Because every time, it's like, shut the fuck up, tuba. Yeah. And so I'm pretty sure that's the third time he's being annoying, and then he just gets shot. So I would say, yeah, you're spot on for that one. Where it's like, we we didn't need that one. Yeah. He could have just been annoying and said, shut the fuck up, and then, like, shoved him. Or, yeah, like, punched him, or just, like, you know, whatever... But Woody, though, like, would Lil Z do say, that, and then you're like, say, he would kill him. Though, yeah. in, that is very much in character. Especially, like, it's very clear that, like, Benny's the only one who has ever been able to keep him in any sort of relative check. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it's very clear as soon as Benny's gone that you're just like, okay. <laughs> like, he barely was in check when Benny was around, and now Benny's gone, so that, like, he's just gonna do whatever the fuck he wants to do so yeah I, it did seem a little gratuitous but it also was like that's absolutely right. what this guy would do because he was like there were several shots earlier in the movie where he is like going to kill someone and benny just like grabs the gun and he's just like come on man let's just walk away and so like it's it's in character right as as much as we may not have needed to see it because we already knew who the character was at that point like him making that move is like yeah he would yeah. you know i think and the other thing that i was uh, confused about is when he was like you were a uh, confused i was a uh, confused uh <laughs> about You're such a confused boy <laughs> uh was when he was like telling the other drug dealers to stop doing violence against people because then the cops would get their attention and then he would have to deal with that but it was like, you do the most violence mm-hmm. yeah. of anyone. So, like, what is the motivation? Like, is that the point? Is that you can say it, but you won't actually do it? And so you're just telling everyone else, like, get in line. Uh, because, like, that. But it's not, it like was presented more like a code of, like, he didn't want the neighborhood getting, uh, like, fucked with. Because then the cops would come around. But it was like, you'd kill all the people. You're the only one who kills so many people. So, like... So many. Is this a real thing? Like, do you actually care about the cops' attention? Or is this just a control 
move, which maybe it was, but mm-hmm. yeah, that That's was another point where I was like, because Benny definitely, if Benny was the one saying like, don't hassle these people, or it was presented as him telling Lilzy like, we can't, we can't get the cops' attention, like we need to stop doing petty crime, we have mm-hmm. to like really focus our attention only on drug dealing, then it would make more sense. But when it's Lil Z enforcing and saying not to do it, then you're like, what? Like, you don't care. You love violence. That's your thing. That's your one quality in this movie is that you love violence. Yeah, he is like a super villain. Like, in the sense that, like, yeah. like normally you have like a, like a, like a, these are words I'm making up. I don't know if they're real terms, but where you have like a villain that's like good but also bad, uh, versus like a super villain where it's just no redeeming qualities. Yeah, just yeah. Like, um, all bad. Everything all bad. is terrible. <laughs> and like, yeah, he moves on to like many other crimes besides murder, and then you're like, God, he really is the worst. Here's one question. Is Lil Z gay? I uh, wondered the same thing. Yeah, I also was like... Look at us. When... <laughs> <laughs> I I feel like there was a lot of... Like, so the first sequence when Benny and Tiago were, like, racing their bikes, and then mm. he was like, that shirt's cool. Those shoes are cool. Where'd you get those? He's like, get me some. He's like, well, I don't know your size. He's like, well, measure me. I was like, oh, is is this a thing? And then... Like, Benny ended up being with Angelica, and I was like, okay, so maybe that wasn't a thing. But, like, it definitely... I did get some, like, possibly vibes from Lil Z. Especially because he's so mad that he's losing Benny. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One, from this life, but also to this girl. Uh, Mm -hmm. And he gets most upset when he sees them together, and when he can't score and like nobody wants to dance with him and then has that shame of like uh i can't get what i want so i'm just gonna turn to violence again Mm -hmm. um which like maybe that was it's like more of an incel kind of thing than a a closeted gay thing but there was a certain like energy (laughs) between him and benny yeah of like he might be more invested in benny than benny is in him yeah there's also his retaliation there is not to go after the girl, which is his later retaliation, but to right. humiliate the guy that she's with. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah, and to make him strip naked, which is like... Hmm, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that seems very specific. Like, you're, I don't know why that was what you went to first. He just kept saying like, show everyone your ass i was like okay like this is yeah <laughs> like yes that would be embarrassing for the guy but like it's a weird directive <laughs> like yeah <laughs> um yeah i don't know that's interesting i did definitely think that i also um because we- so there was that sequence where he like got that amulet from yeah. like the mm-hmm. like a shaman or whatever and like I, th- I, I can't remember, but I think there was a line where he says like, "Don't fornicate with this amulet." Did you guys right. catch yes. that? Oh, and, and then so, they show him the beads. Yeah, 
clever. And so, like, when he's, like, raping that woman, you can just, like, see, like, he's still wearing that necklace. And then, like, after that is when everything fall, starts to fall apart. So I don't know. So, like, the, I, I agree with you, Matt. Like, there were definite moments where I was like, maybe he's gay. But I also didn't know if it was, like, a, he was told not to do anything. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I think it could go either way. Um, There's not a lot of evidence supporting either but exactly, more exactly. evidence for the amulet considering there's a line specifically about it um and mo- maybe more just that. like slight homoerotic energy between him and benny and yeah. only because benny's so charismatic that you're like yeah he's benny. the most attractive he's the <laughs> most attractive charismatic magnetic person everyone yeah. loves him and his party where like everyone comes yeah. I-, I was gonna say when he was like he was the only person who could get all of these different groups of people to all come and all just like put all their shit to the side and just like have fun at a dance party. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, Benny's the dopest. Of course we would want to hang out with Benny. Like who wouldn't want to be friends with this guy? And yeah. the fact that also, like, he's not like, I need to move on from this place and get more money, but he's like, I just want to have a farm, smoke some pot. Yeah. I just yeah. want to go smoke weed with this girl, dude. Like, that's all I want. It's like, bless, man. Like, don't we yeah. all? <laughs> it's interesting, also... too, because if you look at his brother, like, and Bernice, she was like, Hood's just smooth talk. And mm-hmm. so when he started smooth talking, Angelica was like, oh, no. But then he ended up loving her. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted mm. their story. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Benny really was so cool. And even him just being like, man, stop being so violent. Like, give it up. Calm down. Yeah. Was like, oh, you're the only one who can talk sense into this guy. And But here's the thing. Why the fuck did that kid shoot anyone when strobe lights were going off and Benny was so close? Like, why would you even take a shot yeah. at that point? Yeah. That kid was a real dumbass. Like, stupid <laughs> idiot. <laughs> So like, like pick a better it. time, dummy. I don't know that <laughs> like, go, children are, are the best, like, harbingers of, of decision-making. Right. That's even the correct usage of the word. But, like, also just, like, don't give a kid a gun. Yeah. Well, Benny would yeah. still be alive. Mm-hmm. Well, and then the kid runs to uh, Carrot and is like, hey, man... I think I fucked up, and Carrot's just like, "Yeah, I'm gonna kill you because like you're you, you literally did. are alive. You're alive. You killed the coolest so, yeah, hood like, in you town. Just, you there's no I can't save you. We're done with you. Like this kid's just a fucking moron. And like you said, Tyranny, just kids are morons. Don't give them guns. <laughs> like, yeah. Also, speaking of, I think that was Blackie. Was Blackie, that yeah? Yeah. His, that whole apartment sequence where you're just in the same spot, the camera's in the same spot, but you get the time lapse of all the different people that have lived in the apartment and all mm-hmm. the different events that have happened. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. Uh, and there was a lot of sequences like that that were like uh, a time lapse of like the characters so that you get a full sense of like the life of this city or the life of this mm-hmm. apartment or. Uh, I'm trying to think of other sequences like. I mean, for it, like the knife sharpening. Where yeah. it's like cut like that, um, there were just a lot of like very specific choices throughout the movie of like the way uh, we get information thrown at us, which I thought was cool. I and like that the apartment scene that you're talking about, we see that confrontation three different times. Like we see it 
so like the, the the way it's set up where you actually do get to see like when it finally tells you the full story of the apartment is really fun mm-hmm. but we're like introduced to that apartment through um like rocket just going to buy that joint and then we like get the story of the apartment and then later we get like Lil Z's story and so we get it again and like each time you're like oh I know what's coming which like should diffuse like how interested I am in like watching it but the fact that each one is presenting it from like a very clear different perspective makes you like that much more invested in like oh I wonder like what it's going to look like this time from this particular like camera angle or you know whatever and so like mm-hmm. the again I think it goes back to the fact that like all of these characters were so well developed even if they weren't a, like a a major character but they were just like different enough and developed enough that like if you were going to spend any amount of time with them, you were invested and you were like, I am excited to see what's, what's about to happen or like, you know, excited. Um, but speaking of developed, I really loved the little, uh, moment of the professional photographer for the newspaper dropping off his roles. Oh yeah. And then being like, and this one too, and being like, Oh, they're friends. Like he, he wants to support rocket. and his, in his career and like he's willing to be like yeah whatever he needs to develop just like do it with mine and he won't get in trouble yeah and i was like <laughs> i love i love this newsroom i also like when uh he like when the po- like the picture gets published and he like rocket storms back in there and is just like screaming at that woman and when they they finally diffuse the situation she's like hi here's my name i think her, her name was like maria or something and yeah. she's marina. <laughs> just like marina yeah she's like i'm marina <laughs> it's just like <laughs> Oh, that's cute. Like they like they understood that this is like a big thing that this kid is legitimately terrified about, but like once the situation is diffused, they're just like, okay, like we can be people now. Like yeah. we can like cooler heads have prevailed and now we can move on. Like we're going to have like a normal relationship. Yeah, uh, which was like a fun. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. Uh, yeah, relationship too. So, yeah. But and uh, also the fact that like Rocket yeah, that she's also like, we have money for you. If you get a picture published, we give yeah. you money. And, like, I think going into it, you're like, fuck. They, like, took his pictures. They're going to be like, you weren't even supposed to be here. Like, that wasn't even, like, you don't even work for us. So, like, you can't fight. But it was like, no, this is a professional newspaper. Like, if you took a picture, you get money for it. And, like, if you need a place to stay, I'll give you a place to stay. Like, you did good journalism. And, like, we'll give you a camera. We'll give you lenses. And it was like, oh, this is... A much nicer yeah. resolution for this uh, group of people where, like, they could be assholes and be like, eh, get out of the newsroom, kid. But yeah. instead they're like, hey, let's talk this out. You'll be okay. <laughs> Can you get more pictures? Right. And, oh, and speaking of that, uh, I think that reveal at the end of that in the beginning where, like, oh, shit, he's been looking for him and he said, like, he'll kill me if he finds me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we see, like, oh, no, it's Lil Z, and the cops are behind, and, like, this is a dangerous situation. For then the reveal to be like, hey, take our picture. Like, I did want exactly what you did, and this was not an issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just take our picture again. It was like, oh, what a clever way to not just be, like, oh, he was off. he wanted to kill me, and I'm I don't want to die. Instead, it's like, no, I've been looking for you, and now we're all posed together. So, like, take our picture. I yeah. thought that was like very a very fun, clever uh, way to tie that back into the beginning. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, 
Any, do we have anything else on the movie? Negative. Uh, um, no. Yeah, I thought it was really fun. Oh, uh, the guy who plays Knockout Ned... Uh, is in uh, Zizu. Is in Zizu. Oh, shit! Yeah, he's the uh, guitar player. He's the guitar player on the on the boat. Wow! He looked so so familiar to me but i like there was no way i was going to be able to place it and then like during the credits i was like oh i recognize that name that's good that's the dude from uh life aquatic is so, that sue george or is that yeah. just the guy who, okay yeah. oh yeah. wow yeah that's he's fun. the guy who played knockout ned um Bless. which is yeah like really fun because like i assume all of the people that were in this movie like are brazilian and like i don't watch brazilian films very often so like I don't recognize basically any of these people. Um, mm-hmm. So it was fun that I was like, oh, there is one that I do recognize. And I also recognize him for speaking Portuguese. <laughs> Which, is... <laughs> um, Which I don't think I've ever like watched uh, or listened to extensive Portuguese spoken. It sounds very French. I feel yeah. like. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Portuguese. Portuguese is like, only one country away from France, so the fact that like even when Port- it got Portugal to Brazil, is one country away from France. Well, I just mean the language. <laughs> but right, but then I said France, so actually, right, that's why I was like, it's like okay, <laughs> <laughs> don't be a twat about it. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Portugal, Donald, South America way. Um, but yeah, no, I was like, because there are parts that sound like. Some words are the same as Spanish, but not that many. And yeah. You'd, you'd think they'd be... Like, I feel like Spanish is almost closer to French. I don't... I don't know. Don't listen it's, to me. You're, you're, the, you're the language I took Latin. party, so... <laughs> right, what yeah, language? but I mean, like... <laughs> they all come from I barely, Latin. <laughs> right, I barely remember any of the Spanish or German that I took in my life, so at least you've got yeah, a little none. bit more to... <laughs> to go go on here than I do. <laughs> yeah, South America in general is so interesting when it comes to languages because even like the amount of German that's in Argentina is weird. They have yeah. Welsh speakers in Argentina. Did you know that? What they have like Italian and German yeah. and French and English and Spanish. Like Argentina's like... nuts with languages. There is a whole Half bunch of, of like Welsh people that immigrated and I don't know. Sometime in the 1900s. Yeah. So there's places in Argentina that where everything's written in Welsh. Where it's got like 5,000 L's and W's. <laughs> it's also weird because like, yeah, a lot of uh, Nazis fleed to Argentina yeah. after World War II. Oh, is that why the, they so, speak like, German? So there yeah. is a lo- there's a German population, some yeah. of which were Nazis, former Nazis. Mm. Probably always Nazis. Yeah. Uh, but... South America just has such a uh, mix of, like... And, sadly, it's so uh, European because they just fucking took over. Yeah. Uh, but, like, yeah, the Portuguese being uh, more European-sounding than, like, Spanish or uh, or some other language that would have been in South America prior to Portuguese is interesting. But mm-hmm. also... One last thing. I can't believe that the town, that the city of God that we're in in the 60s is the same city of God that we're in in the 70s, where I was like, did they move? Yeah. 
like what is like how could this possibly be the same slums when like the other ones looked like in the middle of nowhere i was gonna say the other ones didn't even look like rio (laughs) yeah it was just just like track houses yeah just like a desert that they were like here's some shacks that you guys can live in go go crazy didn't he say though that uh they took people from all over the country and just sent them to rio and like they were like we don't care they didn't care if there's no power they just kept sending them and so like that would have been like it not as populated, but then it goes vertical because it becomes more populated. Or yeah. did I just I, infer that myself? No, no I, I think it grows out. as a city. Yeah. yeah, I think the slums grow and like uh, industry grows from between the '60s and the '70s. So like, it was probably exactly how it was. It was just like a shocking difference of like mm, the mm-hmm. '60s were like an orange, dusty, simple little town. Like, it looked like a Western outpost where you just, like, ride through and that's the whole thing. Yeah. And then suddenly it was, like, a multi-layered, uh, deeply, like, complex web of neighborhoods that I was like, this is the same city of God? Yeah. Or did they move closer to the city? But yeah, that was I, the only other thing that I had to say. I did like how the end, um, it was fun that, like, Rocket because he grew up there and like probably grew up as the city was like becoming you know like as it started in this like dust bowl version and like became the more like traditional what we think of as like a favela down there but like yeah um the like the fact that like the climax of the movie is him literally running to try and catch up with the police van and him knowing all the shortcuts Mm-hmm. Of like which like oh I need to get there and I know they're going this route so I'm gonna cut between these two buildings so that I can get to where I need to be like that was a really fun payoff for like the stuff that you're talking about where it's just like the city just like you know we see it one way and then we just see it another way we don't get to see it evolve into this other thing but it was like oh we know that Rocket's been there the whole time and yeah. we get to like see him know like him like get the shot that he needs to get to advance his career um just because he like he knew all of that stuff so i thought that was like a fun little like note for his story to end on yeah Mm -hmm. speaking Um, of notes to end on (laughs) are we on uh, for tattoos yeah so i think like so the dvd that i have um which might be like the official poster i'm not totally sure but it just has that shot of uh, Rocket and um, Angeline on the beach mm-hmm. and it's just like a really beautiful shot of just like the two of them just like sitting there and like kind of like huddled together and it's just like it's just gorgeous um, so that was like the one that jumped out to me but I also what what are you guys any any suggestions from the audience uh, maybe Benny but yeah just that's what I was thinking I was gonna say, just, like, just the hair, the sunglasses, and his Hawaiian shirt. Yep. I was gonna say, like yep. Benny when he like walks back into the apartment and he's just like, "Hey, it's I'm me a now. Playboy like, now. <laughs> I'm a playboy yeah, like, now. This is how I am." Like, yeah, that would be dope too. Just like a dope shot of Benny, and honestly, it would go really, really well with uh, my like shot of uh, Dorothea from Twentieth Century Women. Just yeah. like. Mm being all dope as fuck in the 70s <laughs> Just... oh i wish they met <laughs> oh 
Aw, they'd be such good friends. Why why do you do the whole drug thing? What what does that bring you? <laughs> and then he's like, I just want to smoke dope on a farm. And she's like, I you know, I can I can really I I'd love to do that with yeah. you if you want. <laughs> Let's make that movie. Oh, that's a that's a good movie. I'm interested. Benny and Dorothea. <laughs> You could pretty much uh, make that movie and then just, like, have them be two people. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. Not necessarily <laughs> a sequel. Hmm. Yeah, they're, those are your characters. Matt, get to writing. Okay. We'll, we'll check in next week and see what the script looks like. Okay. Can you write an entire film script in one week? I mean, many people have. I have never that's, even Yeah, I know. That's what, can you it. do this? <laughs> no. That's a negatory. <laughs> Um, yeah, I do actually now that I do like the idea of, of Benny in his Hawaiian shirt next to Dorothea in her Birkenstocks. He reminded me of Bruno Mars. <laughs> of like when Bruno <laughs> Mars would wear like Hawaiian shirts and those big sunglasses and shit. Oh my God. <laughs> I thought the casting was really good because he looks so much like his older brother. Like they both yeah. have dimples too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't think I would want to spend time on this film set. Like, I, you could, like, there's just so many scenes where people are running around and you can just, like, feel, like, I was watching it in my air-conditioned apartment and I just could feel how hot they were. (laughs) I was like, this weather is not for me. (laughs) Your boy is very much not built to be on the equator. So, like... Me neither. I didn't even think about the climate. Yeah, that was my whole thought. I was just like, I... Like, the fact that, like, there's... Like, you just see people just, like, sweaty and just... I was like, no, 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 no. So sweaty. Everyone's bathed in sweat. I have no part of me wants anything to do with that. (laughs) Which, like... Sorry, Brazil, but I just, I can't do, I can't deal. (laughs) I got, I, like, Chicago was too humid for me. I can't imagine, I can't imagine going to the fucking equator. (laughs) Like, nope. (laughs) I forgot how humid uh, life can be, because right now it's been, like, cool for, like, a week, and so I just immediately blocked it all out of my head, but yeah. Where it just feels like I, you're like there's no breeze and it feels like you're walking into somebody's mouth. Yeah, <laughs> I so I had been living in Denver for a year, and I went back to Chicago for a friend's wedding in July or in June, and I was gonna take the train and they were gonna pick me up from a train station and so like I got off the plane and it was like eh this is fine I got into O'Hare and I was like eh this is fine and then I got to the Blue Line station at O'Hare and I was like. Fuck this. Like, I I hate this so much. I did not miss this at all. And I'm just, like, I, like, got to my train station. I was just, like, sitting there waiting for, uh, for my friend to pick me up. And I was just, like, I am miserable right now. (laughs) Yeah. It's like a sweater of just, like, warm band-aids. It's the worst. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's somebody, not, humidity. It's not so somebody bad if like there's a breeze. But if there's like know. no breeze where you're just like <sighs> Yeah. It's it's brutal. And um, then like moving your arm produces like a large volume of sweat. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like literally you're moving just, like, through moisture in the air. <laughs> <laughs> collecting just, like, it on your arm. Walking out of your apartment for more than five seconds. You're just like, oh, cool. I need to take another shower. Thanks. <laughs> I used to, our apartment used to be so cold that when I would leave our apartment, yeah. my hands would be so cold that there would be moisture in the air condensing on my fingers. Bless. In the humid Very months. cool. I, I loved how cold our apartment was all the time. It made it me so happy. so cold. <laughs> Blessed be. Um, Tierney, would you spend time on this film set? You seem to be a little bit more attuned to humidity than Matt and I do. I think yeah. I would. Okay. Yeah, Man. I mean, like, it's, like it's, it seems, like, like, vibrant. You know, like, there's, like, a lot of, like, interesting life happening. But, yeah, I just, like, that... That climate is not not gonna work for for me um it's not a permanent move it would just be like 60 days to film and then i just sweat for 60 days and then i go home (laughs) um so this movie was actually nominated for some shit at the oscars and not best foreign language film which is interesting um it was nominated for best director it was nominated for best adapted screenplay yeah best cinematography which like yeah uh and best film editing which also yeah duh did it win for any of them it did not win for any of them so like bad on you for that academy awards but like good on you for actually not because like I feel like this is the type of movie that would normally just be nominated for Best Foreign Language Film. Yeah. And, like, would maybe win. Would, I mean, would deservedly win, I would think. But, like, that's it. Although, you know, especially back then. Like, obviously, now we've had two years in a row where, like, a foreign language film has gotten nominated for a lot of shit. And actually won a lot of shit. And, you know, again, bless Parasite. But, mm-hmm. also like, this Roma. definitely... Yeah, I mean Roma too, but like Roma didn't you? win Best Picture. No, no, no. Like I love Roma. It just it didn't win Best Picture. <laughs> no, you so don't. That's why I Did Roma always, get beat I've by always, Shape of Water? Always. Hated. I think so. Yeah. No. How fucking dumb. No. It was nominated for Best Picture. And Shape of Water won. Ergo. Or was Shape of Water when we were still living together? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm what was Roma's mm-hmm. year? I know that's what I'm trying to figure out right now. Do it faster. Please stop yelling at me. No. Oh, shit, you guys. Oh, Is boy. it Green Here Book? It comes. It's Green Book. Oh, oh. god damn it. <laughs> I was like, I knew it wasn't Shape of Water, but I also knew it wasn't something good. <laughs> I, yeah, I, in my head I was like, but Shape of Water was at least his friend, so like, I'm sure Corian was like, fine that Guillermo del Toro no. won. Oh, god, Green no, Book. it was Green Book. Jeez, I'm crow. <laughs> Oh God! I still—that's still the only movie from that year that I didn't see from the Best Picture nominees, and I have no. Yeah, I'm not gonna see that movie. Inkling to see it, I can't I care watch at Roma all. Again. It's like Green Book is a perfectly like pleasant movie. Like is I know, this... but I've seen it. No, I feel I know, like that's I've what seen I'm saying. Movies... Like that's yeah. like it's it's, it's it's not like a bad movie. Like it's problematic for all the reasons that all of those movies are problematic. Mm-hmm. But it's not like a bad movie. It's just like. Really? I saw the preview, so I think like I saw the movie. Yeah, like, this is what we're saying is the best movie of the year? 
Really? Like, fuck what? all the way off. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> when I was in the theater to see Vice, uh, it started, like, Vice started and it was the Universal logo, and then it was Viggo Mortensen's voiceover of, like, I used to be a bouncer. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And everyone in the theater was like, oh my god, is this Green Book? This is Green Book! This is Green Book! And they're like, oh. okay, uh, we are aware that we put on the wrong movie. We're going to switch the reel over to Vice. And everyone was like, <laughs> good. Because none of us wanted to see Green Book. <laughs> oh no, what a nightmare. Yeah, it was really, and it, like as nerdy as it is, as soon as the Universal logo came on, I was like, Universal did Vice? That yeah, seems no, Vice was Annapurna. Not, yeah. And then when they started, I was like, there we go. This makes more sense. Universal did not seem the type to do Vice. Vice it does seem excellent. the type to do Green Book. Yeah. Vice is fucking awesome. Vice is so dope. If Yeah, if Roma couldn't win last year, give it to Vice. Or the favorite. Or, I don't Literally know. Literally any of the other nominees. Star is Born, even. Fuck it. Give it to Star is Born. I'd rather have that version than... Oh, God, Green Book. God damn. Boo, Green um, Book. Okay. But anyway, yeah, so I like, I think it's fun that it, I got nominated for some stuff that I wouldn't have expected it to get nominated for. Um, and that it deserves. Like I said, especially 20 years yeah. ago. Like, I, that's, yeah. I feel like that's definitely more of, like, a, a newer Academy um, type thing. So so that's pretty fun. I do think yeah. it's a little bit of a bummer that it didn't win any of those. Because I think, at minimum, I feel like it, sh- it would be deserving of cinematography and editing. Yeah, totally. Because both of those were impeccable i thought um yeah very technically impressive movie and Mm -hmm. adapted screenplay too for the way it tells the story and Mm weaves together all these different things (laughs) i just looked it up out of curiosity so best cinematography went to master and commander which i saw once in theaters and have mostly (laughs) forgotten about but apparently like the internet fucking loves that movie so like maybe i should i was so bored during that movie all Granted, I, remember... I was also 12 years, 13 years old. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, this, so that movie came out when I was in my freshman year of high school, and I saw it in theaters and was just like, yeah, this is okay. And I've never really thought about it since then. But, like, seriously, the internet loves that fucking movie, and I don't understand. <laughs> like, it's a yeah. weird thing. But anyway, the like... The ocean is dope. The sea is dope. Whatever. Get my friend good. Connor was an extra, and then they cut all of his scenes in Master Aww. and Commander. Aww. But every day he had to wake up and rub dirt into his into the crevices of his hands to make it look like they were like on a boat. Oh. And then played soccer with all the other extras and crew. <laughs> and then they never put any of his scenes in the movie. But he got to do that for like a whole summer, which is That's fun. Which is fun. Yeah. yeah. So like from what I remember of that movie, like whatever, it probably had good cinematography uh best film editing though <laughs> the winner uh oh, no. was lord of the rings return of the king <laughs> well a movie that desperately needed a movie yeah. that desperately needed an editor <laughs> so like yeah but it could have been even longer it could have been a six-hour movie it could have been i was gonna say and I we would have watched it i do love lord of the rings Sure, and that yeah, was like the career win too where they yeah. just gave that movie everything, everything. which like tough Tough year for City of God to be nominated against like something that was just like yeah just give it a give everything to them powerhouse yeah yeah because yeah I mean um, obviously best adapted screenplay went to Lord of the Rings best mm-hmm. director went to Lord of the Rings yeah so, like, 
Yeah, it's oh, a bummer. So I guess good for Master and Commander for getting for, one. For breaking through. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, what have you guys been up to this week? Uh, nothing. <clears throat> I watched part of... You guys are aware of this. I watched part of The Outlaw King. Um, but I did realize before. <laughs> so my... My my parents asked my dad was watching it, and he was like, "Yeah, I'm watching that Outlaw King movie with like Robert the Bruce." And then I had mentioned last week that Timothy Chalamet was in it. Looked it up; he's not in it. He's nope. in a separate movie called The King. Uh-huh. <laughs> so he came back in, and uh, and he was still watching it and kept being like, "When are they gonna start fighting?" When does Robert the Bruce come in? And I was like, different movie, Dad. Uh, so then I, I watched part of that. Uh, but I think that's really all, all I watched. I did have a note here that it is wild that royalty just like sold their daughters into enemy territory to make truces. Pretty crazy. Oh. I mean, Game of Thrones illustrates that pretty well. But like pretty risky maneuver i would say yeah well i mean if looking back a couple weeks to tana where that arranged marriage was very much to broker a peace between two tribes yeah and how problematic that was even to them where they were like yeah we can't do this anymore this this is a terrible thing this doesn't work so like yeah royalty has a lot of different scale of like you know who the leaders are and what they think uh they need to do to keep the peace and it's usually not advisable and not good for the people involved (laughs) um yikes uh semi-related i did so my parents are in town um so i haven't really been doing like we've mostly just been hanging out um so i haven't been consuming a lot of media but uh we did watch the new mulan last night oh and it is okay. <laughs> I've heard very good things about it, so that's sad that it's just okay for you, because I uh, bet it's really good and you're wrong. I, to be fair, the, the people that I watched it with all seem to enjoy it. Um, and it's not bad. Like, I think... So I'm like, I was, like, trying to work through my thoughts um, after it ended and I was driving home last night. <clears throat> but... It's... I think it's probably the best of these like live action remakes that they've been doing, but I am just losing tolerance for them in general. Like this one was not different okay. enough. Like they're like stylistically, um, it's yeah. So it's like, it's different and it's stylized in a way like it's like a lot of the action like it feels like a you know Chinese style action where like there's a lot of like fantastical kind of elements and like all of that stuff is cool but the story beats are basically the exact same and so it just like really undercuts how invested I can be in a story that I've known my entire life and I like I'm trying to, like, wrap my brain around why I have such a problem with these Disney adaptations when, like, Hollywood 
Jesus, James. <laughs> when Hollywood. She, uh, when Hollywood always tells the same stories over and over. Like, again, I literally just mentioned that I really liked The Star is Born from two years ago. That, like, is the fifth iteration of that story. And, like, I don't know why I have such a problem with these Disney remakes. I can't quite... And especially, like... <clears throat> I think it's easy to say when it's, like, a shot-for-shot shot remake, right? Like, they're basically doing the exact same thing. It's pretty easy to be like, oh, yeah, well, like, this was wholly unnecessary. But this one, they actually did make a few different choices, which is good. But then I feel like they just didn't make enough different choices, mm-hmm. which just makes me, like, not that interested. Well, I think it's... So, I don't, I don't it's know. It's the problem with the same studio that made the first one making the next one. And it's like, what? I'm Like, at least most of the time if you're gonna like tell the story again or reboot something it's a slightly different production company it's a slightly different distributor it's a slightly different like director or writer but like with all of these fucking disney remakes it's like story by the same people who did the first one script by one of those guys too and it's like then it's gonna be the same thing like why do we need this two times when it's the same exact movie (laughs) I am wondering if it's just, like, the time thing, right? Because, like, the original Mulan came out in 1998, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, we're barely 20 years out from that movie. Um, and so, like, on the one hand, maybe it's because I, like, saw that movie when I was at, like, formative, you know, like, 11, 12 years old. Yeah. Maybe it's just because that movie is still fairly fresh. And, like, if you think back on Star is Born, like, we got the one in 2018 and the pre- the previous v- version was from the 70s. So that was, like, almost a 40-year gap, 40-plus-year mm-hmm. gap. So, like, maybe that's part of I it. Think but they're but, not yeah, adapting like, it. They're just remaking yeah. it. And that's because then that's you're just true. like, well, if I wanted to watch the same movie, I just watch the movie again. Right. As opposed to, like... I want to see yeah. a new rendering of a story that I'm familiar with, which is what it sounds like. I haven't seen any of the stars born, but that's what most remakes are where it's like, I'm going to take this story and put it through yeah. my eyes and like do all this other stuff as opposed to like, I'm going to do the exact same yeah. shots that are in the animated, but in real life. Yeah. And I don't want to like, I think you guys, like it's, I'm going to watch Mulan. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't know if it's necessarily worthy of spending $30 on, but like we, I have a, a shared Disney Plus account with my family, so it was $6 for us all, yeah. like, when, once we split it, and I was like, fine, I'll pay the $6, but, like, I do think it's worthy of watching. I just, like, the trailer had me, like, really fucking hyped, because I was like, oh, shit, it looks like they're actually doing something different, and then when I was watching the movie, I was like, eh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So they didn't really do anything different, other than making the the action a little bit more stylized yeah i also which like is not a is not a big enough change to like actually do anything you know like yeah i will say what other they're fine enough if you haven't seen the animated version so like i enjoy yeah. beauty and the beast <laughs> and yeah when you turned to us and you said all the furniture are the are the servants or the village people and we were like <laughs> we were like Girl. and we were like what <laughs> yeah <laughs> That's beauty and the that's the point of all of the characters that you're seeing. <laughs> so I'm sure that was like a very different experience for you than for me, where I was like, this movie's boring and it's the same thing but worse. Whereas you were like, what an inventive story and uh, a fun, clever twist with these furniture pieces being the village people. 
Um, not the band of village people, but the people. I was just going to uh, say, I was like, I'm also interested in that movie. If you want to make a second script where young Belle. it's all Beauty and the Beast, but yeah. Can we name what other animated movies have been adapted to live action Aladdin. besides from no, besides Disney not outside of Disney? Yeah. Like, what is this? Is this even a thing? I think it's can Disney, you do guys. this? I mean, it's a. I know it's a thing because. All of these movies make a billion dollars. But it's like, but but this like feeling that we I have. I guess Batman. Just like, what the fuck is this movie? They took an animated I, TV yeah. show and made it into a movie. That's a good point of like the comic book characters have been animated previously before. Aren't they doing? But it's not a straight adaptation. Akira as well. Eventually, who knows? That that's probably never going to happen. Uh, I was going to say, I'm not going to hold my breath on that one. <laughs> <laughs> it, but it just it feels crazy that Disney is the only one that's like, you know these beloved animated movies? We're going to put them real, with real people and it's going to be the same movie. But you're going to get to see it again. Could it be and that they've like, just what? run out of ideas? I think they more uh, have found something that makes them a lot of money every time with yeah. low to no effort. <clears throat> and of course then you keep say, pursuing that. It's a it's purely a business decision, right? Because like, if you, if you look back on like recent ish movies like live action disney movies that are original property or like original ip uh they basically don't do anything like they basically like are doa like you think of like tomorrowland or john carter tron legacy um tron legacy which i mean even was a sequel so like wasn't original Mm -hmm. ep but like was a live action not remake and they just don't make money. Um, yeah. And so I think it's purely a business decision, whereas Disney's like, we know what people like, and so we'll just keep recycling that in slightly different iterations because people... And the, the fact that all of these movies make a billion dollars, like, it'll be... I'm really curious to see, and obviously, like, it'll all come from Disney, so who knows how reliable it is, but I'm really curious to see how much money Disney gets from this because mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think we talked about it either, like, off air or on an earlier pod but um i was just completely baffled that they decided to put this on disney plus because i was like this movie is going to make well over a billion dollars like fucking aladdin made a billion dollars this is going to make over a billion dollars i thought there was no way that they wouldn't put it in theaters so, I mean, I get why they're doing it from a purely business standpoint. It's just, like, really upsetting from, like, a creative standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because I think <clears throat> I think Disney animation is still pretty good. Like, they've, they're have they on a pretty good hot streak right now with um, their animated films. So, it's like the, the Disney as a brand, which I know you don't like, Tierney, but um, Disney as a brand can still do fun and inventive and new stories or like new-ish stories but for whatever reason their live action department is just like nah we'll just keep doing the same thing and stop trying to I make mean, know, was there ever swings. a disney channel original movie that you're like what a great movie oh no disney channel original or Dis- movie. like Goddamn. how many live action disney movies are good i mean i love tron legacy but that's more uh, for for reasons beside it being like an excellent film, but I do love it. Uh, but also, Tower of Terror with Kirsten Dunst is a perfect film. I've never even heard is... of that movie. <laughs> that movie is pretty fun. Also, that was a made for TV, so that doesn't. It happen. also was not good. <laughs> it also wasn't very good. Yes. 
Um, anyway, what else have you been up to? Anyway. Uh, Disney. So Disney made Pirates of the Caribbean. The first the one first is one, good. Yeah. Okay. So they got uh, one extremely, good movie. Extremely diminishing, yeah. <laughs> diminishing returns after that. But um, I just don't care about pirates almost at all. But I love Treasure Planet. So what does that say? I love alien pirates. I love alien pirates, and I hate normal ocean pirates. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Callum, what else did it's you watch this week? <laughs> I didn't really okay. watch anything. Uh, Disney, oh, Disney God. live action. I don't want to do this. Mighty Ducks. <laughs> <laughs> Mighty Ducks, impeccable movie. Muppet Christmas oh, that's Carol. Disney? That's the Muppet. They made Jim some Henson. good shit back in the day. I mean, it's Disney. I don't know. All right, well, that was a good one. But that's you. like puppets, not. Cool Runnings. I think that was a very ma- yeah that was a very like mature not in content but in like what it, the product was. Yeah, that was a good one. Remember the Titans? Who? <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs> the Lizzie McGuire nope. movie? Bad. Freaky nope. Friday? Okay. With Lindsay Lohan? So this week, what I've been watching, um, <laughs> I've actually, I watched a lot of very different things. Uh, I mentioned early on that I saw most of The Outsiders last night at the drive-in. Uh, which was fun because they go to a drive-in in it. So at one point, there was a drive-in screen in the screen, and them watching that screen, and we were watching it, and it was fun. Uh, Wait, didn't you also see Tris- Twister at the drive-in this summer? Yeah, but we didn't stay long enough to see the drive-in part. Was that because there was a tornado coming? <sighs> <sighs> but the Outsiders, but this uh, version that we saw, which I actually have to finish, is the... Uh, complete novel which is the re-edit in 2005 that includes a bunch of footage that makes the movie make more sense and have more uh human qualities because i remember the original outsiders i was like this movie's like dumb and i have no idea where we're going and this one was paced better and, and was just a better movie um before that before the outsiders uh the first half of the double feature was bill and ted's or bill and ted face the music um, which is a brand new movie, so it was cool to see a new movie in theaters. Uh, it was... I I have only seen parts of the sequel to Bill and Ted and basically know the premise of it. Wait, so you've never seen the original and you've just seen parts of the second one? Yes. Nice. But I'm aware of, like, the phone booth and death and them going sure, across yeah, history. Yeah. Uh, but there's, I'm certain there are things that could have landed better. Uh, or have been funnier if I had seen the first two. That being said, it was pretty enjoyable. It's like a dumb comedy, but that's the point of Bill and Ted, is like it's not supposed to be yeah. like making logical sense. Um, but the scene stealer uh, was played by Anthony Kerrigan, who is better known as oh. Noho Hank from Barry. Noho Hank! Who delivers such a funny, weird performance as this like robot assassin. Uh that is maybe worth watching the movie on its own. It's Hannah and I, my roommate and I were crying laughing at his scenes and they're like pretty sparse, but he is so funny and his delivery of lines is so good. Uh, so watch it just for Noho Hank as uh, the robot assassin. Uh, so older stuff that uh, we watched, uh, we watched Sophie's choice Uh Jesus. Guess what? It's not a great movie. <laughs> like, have either of you seen Sophie's yeah. Choice? No, but it's like... Yeah, it's three movies, squ- like, 
scramble together and like anything in the holocaust you're like this is so awful this is so sad and so brutal and then they like cut back to new york city with kevin klein being like hey i'm a big like exciting magnetic personality and you're like what movie is this like how many movies are happening there's a character named stingo it's been a long everything's just weird it's it's a funky movie. And every time Sting goes like, hey, we should do something, Sophie's like, oh, I've done such things in my past. Oh. And then delivers like real, real heart wrenching uh, memories. And then they're like, we should hang out in New York again and have fun in a park. And you're like, what the fuck is this movie? And like, the, the titular choice is what, like, everyone knows what it is. But when it comes, yeah. you're like, that yeah of course that's yeah like it's an awful choice but like it wasn't really a choice because she was in a concentration camp so like it's not really like she had a choice it was a weird movie incredible performances by uh meryl streep and a debut performance by kevin klein that was his first movie and you're like damn you're good he's very good in it but overall not a great movie um what what made you decide that in Hannah wanted a good cry and we didn't cry okay. because it's like too emotionally manipulative for you for you to like really I just sink in. Paddington too for a good cry. Yeah, I was we did. And Hannah said, "I hate this movie because she didn't want what? she didn't want Paddington to be hurt because every time he was like in crisis, she was like, I don't like it. I want him to be happy.' Oh." So like it that was that was she cried we cried that movie definitely brought tears. I wish uh, they would make adult sized Paddington pajamas. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, this took a turn. <laughs> it's like all oh, I boy. want and they don't make them. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean by Paddington pajamas like the Paddington bear pattern like on mm-hmm. it or like uh, the trench coat with the little tag and the hat. <laughs> or his prison outfit. Oh, no. Honestly, yeah. I would take the prison outfit, yeah. I think. You should find just a white jail pajama. And then just and then put diet red socks pink. in. Yeah. No, but yeah. I want Paddington on my pajamas. I want kids' pajamas, I'll keep an eye but up. in adult sizes. <laughs> Is this too hard to ask? World, all I want. Listeners, if you uh, know, send us an email. Yeah. If you know. <laughs> um, I, uh, yesterday on our drive, we listened to Demon Days, the Gorillaz album, which I've never actually listened yeah. to all the way through. Uh, fun album. I'll probably keep listening to that to try to... Real, real good. Yeah, it was real, it was real, real fun to drive shit. to, too. And... The last thing I'll say is uh, I started watching The Vow, the documentary series on HBO. Oh, it is how is that? fucked. <laughs> it's yeah. like pretty wild. And like Allison Mack, who is in Smallville, was like at the top of the whole thing. And like this is the sex cult that she got like arrested for. And like the previews, I couldn't real. I didn't know that that was what this was about. And then as soon as they're like, and then Allie Mack came, uh, and you see like footage of her being like, "Hi, I'm Allie Mack." Like you probably recognize me from TV. And I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be nuts." Uh, and yeah, there's like brands, and there's uh, secret vows, and there's like 
it's it's weird because it also is like slowly convincing you of what they all got convinced of like when they're telling you all of like the psychological tricks that they've like learned of like you can control your emotions and like you can really prosper and like think of these things you're like i guess yeah this does kind of make sense and they're like and then it evolved into a secret sex cult of sex trafficking and you're like fuck that is so (laughs) wild and awful and it just it keeps getting weirder because all these conversations were recorded and you just like hear the people talking to each other being like i don't feel comfortable about this and then somebody else being like i mean the brand is something that you chose like that it should like you're allowed to have something for yourself and if it's a brand like it's no different from a tattoo and you're like oh my god this is the craziest mental manipulation ever um and it's like 2016 it's like a few years ago so it's just particularly like shocking um but i'm very intrigued uh and i'll keep watching but yeah so far it was it's been wild (laughs) i've been like jaw dropped multiple times uh, just being like this is unreal that like this just happened to people and that they were like it's the business that I work in, and it's also a cult. Christ. Yeah. Yikes. So check it out. Uh... So, so, so anyway, <laughs> some light Sunday night viewing on HBO for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, cool. Well, next week it looks like we have uh, Wes Anderson's debut, <gasps> Bottle Rocket, on deck. So. Woo! <laughs> It's so short, though. It's like a 90-minute movie or less. Okay. Yeah. So, um, Wes Anderson making his triumphant return mm. to the podcast. Mm-hmm. We'll say we'll say triumphant for now, and we'll talk next week. Making a return. <laughs> <laughs> Wes Anderson shows up again because. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I'm finished. <laughs>